Take your Bibles this morning, turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, and we're going to try briefly to continue our series in the book of James. Here's how the rest of the morning is going to go. I'm going to preach for, uh, I don't know, two or three hours. And then, after I'm done with that, uh, we're going to have our invitation. And during the invitation, those who are going to be baptized today uh, will be dismissed, and they can make their way to the back, and the deaconesses and uh, uh, some of the other ladies will be there to help. And they can go ahead and get changed and into the robes, and then we'll have our baptismal service. Isn't it great to be in a service where we're doing both, both ordinances of Scripture, the Lord's table and baptism? I always enjoy it when we do that. So James chapter 1, I want to speak to you this morning out of just two verses, verses 19 and 20, and I want to talk to you on the topic, quick ears, slow tongues, and calm hearts. Quick ears, slow tongues, calm hearts. Verse number 19, chapter 1. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Father, Lord, Lord, we pray today that you'll help me with this passage of Scripture, you'll guide my words, you'll uh, just help this to be a profitable time. Lord, here's a very practical piece of Scripture, aimed at the Christians among us. And so I pray today that we would have ears to hear, that you'd speak to our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. We have made mention of the fact that James' primary topic in this book is faith. Not only just faith, but a faith that works, a working faith. And as we work our way through this little book, we're going to constantly find James teaching that if we're going to have that kind of faith, it's going to show forth in certain ways in our life. And here at our text, I think we see James starting down that path. Here in our text, we see him describing some very simple characteristics that will be true in the life of every believer who has such a living and working faith. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Now, it's kind of hard to improve on those words. I mean, I could stand up here and say I've got all kinds of things to add, but what do you really add to that? It's, it's pretty simple. It's pretty clear. It says exactly what it means. It means exactly what it says. We as Christians need to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. We need to be people with quick ears, slow tongues, and calm hearts. But I am going to try to say something about it. And so bear with me for a few minutes as we think about those three three things. Let's think first of all about quick ears. Quick ears. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. I read that Adlai Stevenson one time addressed the students of Princeton University. And as he stood up to address them, he opened his address with these words. Quote, I understand I am here to speak and you are here to listen. Let's hope we both finish at the same time. (laughs) And is it not true that sometimes we don't? The importance of listening, of hearing, is so clearly taught in our Bibles. And yet it's sadly true that our listening skills sometimes need serious work and that we oftentimes stop listening before God stops speaking. The rabbis said two ears are given to us, but only one tongue. The ears are open and exposed whereas the tongue is walled in behind the teeth. And so James says, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Paul said, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So do you have ears to hear? How are you at hearing? How are you at listening, brothers and sisters? Phil Robertson of Duck Dynasty fame 
on a recent episode, made it very clear that he has learned the art of responding to his wife's conversation, but not listening to a word of it. <laughs> and there was a humorous, humorous little uh, scene there where they were whipping across the water on their boat, and she was sitting in the bow of the boat and just chattering away, and just having this wonderful time, and talking, 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 and he's in the back going, mm-hmm, yep, nope, mm-hmm. Not engaged at all in what she was saying. You know, most of us get pretty good from an early age at pretending to listen, don't we? While all the way we're figuring out how we're going to respond to this person that we're really not listening to. I struggle with that a lot, and probably you do too. You've probably had the same experience that I have, where you're talking to somebody and you're, you're sitting there and you're sharing something with them, and you can tell from the look on their eyes or the look on their face, they're, they're not paying any attention to you at all. They're not engaged. But the second you come up for air, the second you stop, they respond. And they answer, and you realize, well, wait a minute, the whole time I was talking, all they were thinking about is what they were going to say next. That's not listening. It's not hearing. That's what Solomon addressed when he said in Proverbs chapter 18, he who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. And so James says, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Now, I have to take a little aside here, and I have to say, you know, I think there are some things we ought not to be swift to hear. There are some things we ought not to listen to. And James is not talking about that, but I want to take that little, little detour just for a second, because I think it's important. For example, I think we ought not to listen to gossip, or unfounded or unflattering accusations about others. I think if a brother or a sister, or anybody for that matter, comes to you, with information about another that is less than flattering, I think our first choice should be to not hear it, to not listen to it. I realize there are times when we as Christians have no choice and when things have to be said and we have to, we have to hear, but I'm also keenly aware of the fact that that's the exception rather than the rule. We ought not to normally listen. Now, some people will immediately say, well, wait a minute, how am I supposed to pray about somebody? How am I supposed to pray for somebody if I can't talk about what their need is? And I think that sounds really spiritual. And we all use that. And I think most of the time it's just simply hogwash. You see, God knows the needs of somebody without us talking about it. And we don't have to talk about it. We have to be very careful when we're sharing prayer requests that they don't degenerate into an opportunity for gossip. And I think we need to be doubly careful. The things we hear in the prayer room don't get repeated out in the street. I shared a deeply personal prayer request one time, my own self. I shared one with a pastor friend of mine. I was in his office. There was no one in the office but he and I. And I shared this personal thing with him, only to hear it from another person sometime later uh, out in the street. He's the only person I ever told it to. And I'll tell you, folks, that is sin. It's wicked. It ought not so to be. I heard a definition of gossip one time that has always helped me, and I, you know, I say this sometimes when people don't agree with me, but I think it's a good definition. Gossip is anything spoken about another person outside of their presence that does not edify or build them up. Anything spoken outside of their presence that does not edify or build them up. I realize we cannot always use that. I realize it doesn't always work, but the majority of time it will, and if we would simply use it most of the time, think how much the body of Christ would benefit from our being careful about that. And I know I'm wandering from my point a little bit because we're talking about swift to hear. And now I'm talking about gossip, which would sound like something we speak. You'd think it would fit more with the slow to speak, and maybe it does. But this is one of those things we should neither speak nor hear. We need to be careful on both ends. 
Don't listen to it. Stop your ears to it. There will be times you'll have to get harsh with a gossiping brother or sister. And you say, I don't want to hear that. There may be times you have to get really harsh and say, will you just please shut up? I don't want to hear that. But sometimes we need to make, do whatever it takes to avoid listening, because listening to it can be just as bad as speaking it. Gordon MacDonald is an author who's written a lot of books, and some of you might have written, read, read some of Gordon MacDonald's things. Let me share a quote with him. A personal example that he shared of a friend who would not listen to gossip. Here's what he said. He said, one time 20 or so years ago, I was in Japan on a speaking tour with a close personal friend. He was a number of years older than I was. As we walked down the street in Yokohama, Japan, the name of a common friend came up, and I said something unkind about that person. It was sarcastic, it was cynical, it was a put-down. My older friend stopped, turned, and faced me until his face was right in front of mine, and with deep, slow words, he said, Gordon, a man who says he loves God would not say a thing like that about a friend. He could have put a knife into my ribs, and the pain would not have been any less he did what a prophet does. But do you know something? There have been 10,000 times in the last 20 years that I have been saved from making a jerk of myself. When I've been tempted to say something unkind about a brother or sister, I hear my friend's voice say, Gordon, a man who says he loves God, would not speak in such a way about a friend. Good words. Good reminder. You need to be careful about listening to gospel. Another thing that we need to be careful about listening to, that we should not listen to, we should not be swift to hear, is the lies of the devil. Dan talked about this a lot in Sunday school this morning. The lies of the devil. You know, Eve listened to the lies of the devil in the Garden of Eden, and she brought ruin on the entirety of the human race. Imagine if she had simply turned away, if she'd simply stopped her ears, if she'd simply said, I'm not going to listen. And, of course, some might say, well, how could she have known? How could she have possibly known this was the devil that was speaking to her? And Dan mentioned it well this morning in Sunday school. She should have known immediately the very second he said, Yea, hath God said. The very second he began to question the revealed word of God. And listen, my friends, every time you hear something, whether it be from science, falsely so-called, and I happen to like science, but there's way too much false garbage science out there today calling itself science. Whether it be from science, whether it be from uh, dearest friends, family, from the television, from the internet, from Wikipedia, it doesn't matter where it's from. If it questions what God has said here, don't listen to it. Don't listen to it. And you say, well, how will I know? Well, as Dan mentioned again, you're not going to know unless you know what's in here. You need to be Bereans, Acts 17, 11. Be more noble than others and look at the word of God and question everything. Don't listen to the lies of the devil. Listen to what God says. Another thing that we ought not to listen to is false teaching or false teachers and might seem a bit redundant, I suppose, but it bears repeating. If someone comes to you bearing any other doctrine, any other doctrine, don't listen to them. Turn off the television set. Don't listen to those preachers on there if they're teaching something different than what's in here. Don't listen. Walk out of the room. The Apostle John said, do not even allow people into your own home who are teaching false doctrine. I think if he had written that in the 21st century, he would have said, don't listen to uh, Google. Don't listen to the Internet. Don't listen to the television. Don't allow it in your home. He said in 2 John verse 10, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. False doctrine. Well, we, there's a lot of other things I think you could imagine that we could say we ought not to listen to, but 
James is being positive, isn't it? He's saying, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. He's saying there are some things we should be listening to. So let me just mention a couple of those, and we'll move on. Some things we should listen to, and I think the first is God's invitation. God's invitation. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with him, he with me. How vital that when Jesus knocks, we open the door. How vital that when he calls, we hear and answer. And yet so many stop their ears at the invitation. We give an invitation in this church every single service. And it's an illustration, is it not, of this greater truth. Time after time after time after time after time, the invitation goes forth. And some, I'm sure, time after time after time after time, stop their ears to it. Oh, we need to have our ears open to God's invitation. Otherwise, we're going to hear the words of wisdom that were recorded in Proverbs. Turn in my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Oh, what should we be quick to hear? First of all, God's invitation. And secondly, I would suggest the word of God. The word of God, just in general. I think that's probably the primary interpretation of what he's talking about here. He actually mentioned in the previous verse, in verse number 18, he said, of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And if you go to verse 21, which is the verse right after our text, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And so our text is sandwiched between two verses that are both talking about the word of God and so it would seem. That's probably its primary meaning. What should we be swift to hear? The Bible. What should we be swift to hear? The word of God. One man said the word of God is more necessary to us than our food. It is more precious than gold. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We cannot live properly without the word of God. How very eager we should be to read it and hear it taught. Nothing, absolutely nothing, should be more important to us than taking it in. And so James says, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Quick ears. Secondly, he talks about slow tongues. Let every man be slow to speak. James is going to talk about this topic a lot. As a matter of fact, if you look down through, uh, do a little quick Bible study down through James, you're going to see he mentions it over and over and over again, this matter of the tongue, our speech patterns. Look at verse 26 here in chapter 1. He says, if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. You jump over to chapter 3 and the majority of the chapter is dedicated to this topic. Chapter 3, verse 1, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Verse 2, we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. James uh, three for, uh, chapter 3, verse 6, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. Verse 8, no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Chapter 4, verse 12, do not speak evil of one another. And so this is a topic that he's going to talk about a lot. 
So he says, let every man be slow to speak. Job, who we learn about in the Old Testament from the book that bears his name, was one time extremely frustrated by his supposed friends in their many words. And he said to them, oh, that you would be silent. It would be to your wisdom. Good advice. Good advice. We are far better off to be silent than to spew forth words. Most of us talk too much. We disdain silence, and so we try to fill the air with words. And we preachers are probably the worst that there is of this because we're so used to talking. Right, Pastor Phil? We, uh, we have trouble with that, I'm sure. We have to fight it. But the Bible is clear. Our text is clear. Slow to speak is the desired state in which we should be. Proverbs chapter 10 says, In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Ecclesiastes, do not be rash with your mouth. Let not your heart utter anything hastily before God, for God is in heaven and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Proverbs chapter 17, he who has knowledge spares his words. And a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. So I'll practice what I'm preaching and I'll stop right there, at least with that topic, and get off that point. And I don't think I need to make a lot of words to make it clear to you. Bible's clear. We should be slow to speak. Slow to speak. We ought not to be like the lady who was known in her church as the queen of the gossips in her church. And one day she got under conviction about this during the service, and she came forward during the invitation, tears streaming down her face. And the pastor met her at the front, and she said with a trembling voice, Pastor, I'd like to lay my tongue on the altar. And he looked at her with a twinkle in his eye, and he said, Sister, the altar's only 30 feet long. <laughs> we ought not to be that way. Let every man be slow to speak. And finally, he speaks of quick ears, slow tongues. He also speaks of calm hearts. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. On June 1st, 2005, Percy Aerosmith, 105 years old, and his 100-year-old wife, Florence, celebrated their 80th wedding anniversary. Percy died two weeks later. They met at their church in Hereford, England. He sang in the choir, and she was a Sunday school teacher. According to the Guinness World Record authorities, the couple held the record for the longest marriage, as well as the oldest aggregate age of a married couple, which would have been 205 years. The Aerosmiths claimed the key to their long marriage was not to go to sleep on an argument not to go to sleep angry. They said they always kissed each other and held hands each night before going to bed. Slow to wrath. Good for marriages. Good for relationships. One man said of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontations still to come, to savor to the last toothsome morsel both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back. In many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that what you're wolfing down is yourself, and the skeleton at the feast is you. Slow to wrath. It's good for our personal health. It's good for our well-being. Matthew Henry said, if we were as swift to hear as we are ready to speak, there would be less of wrath and more of profit in our meetings. The worst thing we can bring to a religious controversy is anger. This, however it may pretend to be raised by a concern for what is just and right, is just simply not to be trusted. Wrath 
is a human thing. And the wrath of man stands opposed to the righteousness of God. Those who pretend to serve the cause of God hereby show that they are acquainted neither with God or his cause. Slow to wrath. It's good for churches. It's good for the cause of Christ. He who is slow to wrath has great understanding. He who is impulsive exalts folly, said Solomon. So then, my beloved brethren, let everyone be slow to wrath. So how are we doing on these things? How are you doing on these things? As we continue to study James, we're going to continue to learn that our faith needs to be something that is visible. Our faith needs to be something that we live out. It's seen. It's demonstrable. It is a faith that works. That's the whole point of this series. And one of the areas is seen right here. I think he's kind of setting the groundwork right here. My, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And so may God help us with that. May we be a people of quick ears, slow tongues, calm hearts.